so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Well, let me pray again briefly. Carl's already prayed for the message, but let me pray again briefly and we'll jump in. So Father, we thank you for those testimonies and we thank you that you are alive, you're not dead, that your spirit is here amongst us as Carl reminded us this morning. Uh, and that you are active in our lives. We thank you for uh, the testimonies uh, that have been shared this morning, and may they um, speak faith into our lives. Whether we have need for the same thing or a different thing, the testimony is the prophetic declaration of your power. So we just lift up our needs and our desires, our fears and our anxieties to you this morning, and we pray knowing that you're a good God, that you would come and make a way in those places. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> um, so today is the fourth uh, and last uh, message in our series on navigating change, lessons on transitions from the story of Noah. Um, and, and so uh, don't hear in that, and I don't think this was a, a rebuff from uh, Jill this morning, don't hear in me calling that a story, that I believe it's only a story. Um, and, uh, and so this morning, we, uh, I just want to touch on some, of, some briefly on that story, because we haven't really dug into the nuts and bones of it. We've been using it as a metaphor of, of transition through life. But uh, as Jill highlighted, um, uh, genetics does demonstrate that there has been bottlenecks, uh, very narrow bottlenecks, uh, genetically speaking, in our human history. Um, and so that uh, leads me to believe that this event wasn't just a myth or a fiction. Well, one of the other things that makes me think that this story is a real story is um, it's not the only uh, s culture that has a flood story. Many, many cultures from all over the world um, have these stories of a great flood. Uh, and so, um, yeah... So I'm not an archaeologist, I'm not pretending to be example. We also find, you know, sea creatures, in, uh, fossils of sea creatures in places that if it's always been like this and it's always been dry, it's very unlikely that those fossils would have got there. I know there's other explanations for some of those things, but um, the evidence points me to believe that this story happened. And though I've been calling it a story, uh, it's, the, it's the truth of this story that makes it a powerful metaphor for us when we journey through change. It's not just a myth. If we were just talking about a myth, that, oh yeah, there's this myth about how God was present with Noah through a storm, then that would be absolutely meaningless for us. And so I did just want to touch on the reality of this story uh, this morning, because the fact that this story is true... Yes, there's things about it thousands of years later that we're going, well, how did this work? How did that work? We don't need to worry about that. Not that we need to turn off our brain, but, but that we need to not worry about uh, the details that happened thousands of years ago that God didn't think we should have to worry about in his word. But it's the fact that this story is, is a historical event that God uh, journeyed through with his people that makes it powerful in our lives. And so we've been talking about uh, change, navigating change. And we've been talking and we've been using that word of change as the thing that is going to be different. But we've been using another word, transition, which is about how we journey through that or how we navigate through that. Change can happen in a moment, but transition happens over time. 
And so this is the recap part. You know, if you're watching Netflix and you binge, you're watching it, and this is the bit where you get the opportunity to skip the recap because you just watched the last bit. But we didn't do that. Uh, and so I do want to recap that that change begins with preparation. Now, sometimes we know that change is coming and so we can prepare. And so the church has known that change is coming for about nine months uh, in, in the change in leadership role. And so the leaders of the church have been working hard to prepare. But the real point is that God is preparing us. And so whether we know the change is coming or not, God is at work preparing you for change. Even if you didn't see it coming, even if you were blindsided, God is using your, your story your history, how he has led you through life to prepare you for the change that's coming. And so in that preparation phase, what we hold on to is that we need to walk faithfully with God. As Noah walked faithfully with God, being the thing that prepared him for change, we walk faithfully with God. And so even if we know change is coming or we don't know change is coming, that walking faithfully with God prepares us for change. We act that faithfulness out in obedience and we remember that God is with us, as Carl reminded us this morning. We remember that God is with us. And so there's preparation, and then there's that critical moment of change. And in Noah's story, it's a storm, and that's uh, metaphorical in our own stories of change feeling like a storm at times. And so in the storm, we need to get on board with God, what God has prepared for us. For Noah, it was a giant ark. He had to actually get on board. If the waters rose and the flood came and Noah hadn't gotten on, the board, on board the ark like God said, all of that preparation would have gone to waste. We need to get on board what God has prepared for us. And I shared during that message that I believe uh, that in a sense the ark for the church as it journeys through a season of change is getting on board with the church community, sticking together, staying together. So we get on board with what God has prepared. We, we remember, though, that the storm will end. Change can be tricky and hard, but the storm will end. And we also remember that God is with us in the storm. There's a theme developing here that I hope you're picking up. And so there's preparation, then there's that critical moment, the storm, and then last week we talked about drifting. That after the storm and lots of change, there can be this time of just drifting between what was and what will be. And so we looked at the story of Noah again last week and, and the key phrase was that God remembered them. And so he sent a wind on the earth. And so in the natural, that, that gradually and slowly dried up the waters and we talked about how we might want God to come and end that quicker. We want him to pull the plug rather than sending a wind. Uh, and so in the natural, that dried up the earth. God remembered and he acted. But we also talked about last week how, how wind and spirit in both Hebrew and Greek are essentially the same thing. And so that was, that was symbolic of God sending his spirit on the earth, hovering over the earth like he did in creation. And so that's simply, in some sense, another way of saying God remembers and God is with you in the drifting. And we talked about last week how, how Noah sent out doves and he received them back. And he sent out the dove and he received them back. And we spoke about how in this drifting phase, in the space between what was and what will be, we need to keep sending out prayer to God and keep listening to the Holy Spirit. That though we may be drifting, in some sense we're not inactive. That we keep praying and we keep listening. And we cling to hope for a new day. 
And so that new day is what I want to talk about this morning as we conclude the series. The new day is, in a sense, the end of the change process and perhaps the beginning of a new one often, that, that change is a constant thing and, and it's kind of like going through life like this. But, but the new day I'm talking about this morning is kind of the, the end of the, the specific change process. And so for us, I've been talking about our, our move from Sydney to Yass uh, almost eight years ago um, as kind of a, a mapping of that, that change process. So we moved, we prepared, we moved... There was a space between where we were living in Yas, but kind of life felt like we were still there and we're halfway in between here. But the day came, and in that kind of day, we didn't know exactly. There's not a point on the calendar I can point you to, but there was a new day where Yas was home, where this is where our friends were, that this is where our heart was, so to speak. And for the church, and we're thinking about the journey of the church, uh, that we've, we've been in a fairly long stage of preparation in a few weeks' time, I don't think it's going to be a storm, and I've said this before, that I'm not trying to compare my finishing up in my role as leader of the church to a catastrophic global flood. I'm not <laughs> expecting things to go badly like that. But that moment will come when I am, you know, I hand in my keys, so to speak, and I'm not the pastor of the church anymore. And there will be some space between uh, my leadership and, and uh, the person who comes to take up that role. But also, a new day will come, and I'm confident of this. A new day will come, not only when there is a new pastor leading the church, but, but when, when they feel at home in the church and you feel at home with them. A new day will come. And so, this is what happened in the story uh, of Noah. Again, not just a myth, but a, a true story. Genesis 8, 13 to 16, it says, By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Um, and so that day come. That day had come. In Noah's story, he spent many years, we're told, preparing and building the ark. They spent 40 days and nights of rain and flooding on the ark. And then they spent roughly a year of drifting and then other time spent on the ark once it had kind of come to rest. That all added up to, to roughly a year, a bit above or a bit below, depending on who you uh, follow in their interpretation. But it was around about a year of them on the ark. But then the word came from the Lord. And as we said last week, this is the, the first thing that's recorded that God said since he said, get on the ark. The day came when God said, come out of the ark. And so that day was the birthing of a new day or, or, or to, to put it in the words of what our, our vision theme has been for this year, that was the birthing of a new season. And so we did finish last week with the idea of clinging to hope for a new day, but I want to start there this morning. A new day will come. God is working things out according to his purposes. Romans 8.28 tells us that, uh, that God is working in all things and through all things for the good of those who love him. 
And so God is working all things out, including this process of change or any process of change that you might be journeying through in your own lives, um, that, that God is working things out towards a new day. And that doesn't have to be just about positive change. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, uh, Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, who was treated badly and abused by them, uh, many years later, as the second in command of all of Egypt, they come to him and you know, they're seeking his forgiveness in a fairly manipulative way, to be honest, but they come to him and he says these words like this. He says, What you intended for harm, God intended for good and for the saving of many people. And so God isn't just using positive change that he led you into, that you feel confident that you're stepping into God's calling. He's not just using that to move you towards a new day. He is using everything, good, bad, ugly, and everything in between. Every experience of change and transition in our life is moving towards a new day. And so for this church, there will be a new day. There will be a new season. There will be a new lead pastor. And, and so what I want to spend the rest of our time this morning is just highlighting four things that we can, can learn from this part of the story about what it means to step into and what it means to embrace that new day. We're not there yet, but I just want to share four things about what that looks like to step into that and embrace that. And so firstly, I want to say that stepping into a new day is an act of faith and obedience. Stepping into a new day is an act of faith and obedience. In Genesis 8.15, I don't know, we're going to read these things a few times. It says, Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. And then in verse 18 it says, So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. Now, they could have just said, And Noah did what God said. Uh, but the, the repetition is to reinforce that this was an act of obedience and faith by Noah and his family. Noah and his family did as God commanded. They stepped into the new day. Uh, they stepped into a, a world that would have looked very different to what they had left behind when they boarded the ark. And I don't know whether they were excited or afraid I don't know whether they were, couldn't wait to get off the ark or it had become comfortable for them. I shared some thoughts last week that it might have been a bit cramped and stinky and they might have been keen to get off, so that's kind of where I would probably be landing. But maybe that had become home for them and the world outside was kind of scary. We don't know. But the point is that they trusted God and they obeyed. They stepped into it and they embraced it as a new day and a new season. And so sometimes the future can look scary. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm prone to procrastination. And that's kind of a holding back from stepping into to something. It's, it's a sense of a fear or a failure, and, and sometimes we can get stuck between. Last week we talked about drifting, where you just simply are between, but sometimes we in our heart and mind can get stuck between, where the new day is awaiting but we're afraid to step into it. Or we don't want to step into it because we've become comfortable in this space between. We don't have to do what we used to have to do back here, and, but we don't want to have to do what it means to step into the new day. And so as God leads us into a new season, we firstly need to simply trust him and obey him and step into that and embrace it. 
It sounds stupidly simple. But I really want to encourage us that when we go through change, that we, we do need to take that step. When God says, open up the door and come out of the ark, we need to take that step of faith. We need to trust God and obey. And step out the door. Or in the door. Or through the door. Whatever that looks like. So stepping into a new day is an act of faith and obedience. And also, as we step into a new day, we need to rediscover our purpose. It's an opportunity to, and it's important that we do, rediscover our purpose. So in verse 17 of chapter 8 in Genesis, um, God says to Noah, Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds and the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. And verse 1 of chapter 9, and this is why I made... Um, Jill somewhat awkwardly read just one verse of the next chapter. It says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. And so God's words and his blessings speak purpose over Noah, his family, and the animals. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. This is to be their purpose in this new day, in this new season. Their purpose is to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. This isn't just the purpose of the new day. This is the purpose for this whole process to begin with. That God would start again with these people and these animals and the earth would be renewed through these people. And the reality is, though, it's not a new purpose at all. It's not a new idea that God came up with. It's actually, we go back to Genesis chapter 1, at the very creation of humanity in verse 27 and 28, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the air, Birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves around. And so just to read that again, God blessed them and said to them, this is the moment after he has created humanity and he said, be fruitful and increase in number. And so these are the very words essentially that he gives to Noah and his family. So this is not a new purpose. This is a rediscovery, a reaffirmation, a renewal, a revival, a restoration, a redemption of humanity's purpose. And so often this is true of us. When God leads us through a change, he isn't changing our purpose. He might be changing what we thought our purpose was, but often he's not changing our calling, our purpose. He's restoring it or he's enlarging it or he's redeeming it. And so I was preparing this. I was impacted by this. Obviously, I'm changing um, quite significantly myself in, in, in the shape of my role and, and kind of a a thing that I've not often spoken about but, but I, that I've held as kind of an inner um, kind of purpose statement is that I labour to see Christ fully formed in me, in my family, in the church and in the community. And I just felt God reaffirming to that to me as I prepared this. Though I'm shifting out of a direct pastoral role, that God's saying, you're still doing that. That's still your calling to see Christ fully formed in the places that you have influence. 
And so for, for us as well as, as individuals, I think a season of change isn't necessarily a season of changing our purpose. He might be changing the expression of it. He might be changing how that gets worked out all around us and through us. But often I believe that God is renewing us in our purpose. And so what about this church? Well, the church, God's followers, Jesus' followers have a, have a calling that has stood since the day of ascension, which is to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus taught them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is a purpose that has not changed. It's, it's kind of the same thing, really, isn't it, as, as what God said to Adam and Eve, and then what he reaffirmed to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. But now it's in a spiritual sense that the church is called to be fruitful and to multiply, to make disciples. The purpose hasn't changed. It's just been reshaped, renewed, and redeemed through Jesus. This church, we've talked before about having four vision pictures, about being disciple makers, about affecting kingdom change, about being a place of healing and about being involved in God's mission beyond the local. Now, it's healthy for churches to re-explore how we word things and rephrase things and, and, and put them into, into new context. I'm not saying never change the vision after I leave. That's the last thing I'm saying. But I think it'd be good for the church to re-explore that. We might change the words, but what I'm getting at is the purpose of Yas Community Baptist Church does not change because there's a change of leadership. We're still called to make disciples. We're still called as a church to affect kingdom change in our community. We're still called to be a place of healing. We're still called to be engaged beyond the local. And so this season of change, this new day, is an opportunity for the church to rediscover and be restored in its purpose. So firstly, to, to embrace the new day, we need to act in faith and obedience and step into it. Secondly, we need to embrace the opportunity to rediscover uh, and be renewed in purpose. Uh, and thirdly, this story points us towards, I believe, that we need to focus on what we have now, not what we've left behind. And so in Genesis chapter 8, 18 and 19, and again, we're reading over several verses. We're wearing some tracks here, and that's okay. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the land, came out of the ark, one kind after another. Just remembered Carl got me a tea, and I need to honour him by having a sip. <laughs> And so I reread those verses because what they capture is the sum total of everything that Noah and his family now have with them. They have left absolutely everything behind. And by that I'm not meaning the other people that uh, used to live, that was God's doing and the other animals and things like that. I'm, I'm talking about everything that they had. The, the Bible, kids' Bible story books might lead us to believe that they just walked around on the grass and, you know, had nothing and, and then they just built this ark. But, but they most likely would have had homes. They perhaps had uh, a little plot of land or a large pot of land that they tended to. They, they would have, you know, economy didn't just kind of get birthed after the ark, this, this sense of, of having stuff, of doing stuff, of, of having built up a life. 
And so they step out of the ark. Noah steps out of the ark with his wife, with his three sons and their wives, and a whole bunch of animals. And that's what they have. And, and so it's everything else that was lost on the journey. Sometimes we talk about pruning. This was a significant pruning for Noah and his family. And so most change, whether it's good or bad, involves loss. Whether it's something we've chosen or something that's been thrust upon us, it involves loss. And so in that loss, there's the temptation to focus our attention on all that used to be. There's a temptation to focus on what we once had, on who we once had with us. And when we do that, you know, the power of rose-coloured glasses are unbelievable. Uh, This is best shown in uh, Israel's journey through the wilderness when they had spent 400 years complaining to God, free us from this place, free us from this place. Haven't you forgot about us? You know, 30 seconds they're in the wilderness, they're slightly thirsty and hungry, and they're, at least in Egypt we had food. Oh, remember what we had. And so we are, in our humanity, no better than they are. Yes, we have Christ and the Holy Spirit in us that redeems us. Um, We are a new creation. But in our humanity, we're no better than they are. We're very quick to go, oh, remember what it was like back then. We magnify what was good about the past. And it can be hard to come to terms with what we've left behind. And so the key as we embrace and step into a new day is to focus on what we have now. To focus on what God has placed in our care now. To focus on who God has placed with us now. Not grumbling about what was. Not groaning about what... Well, and, and this might be pre-COVID. This might be, you know... There, there may be a season to come where you're tempted to compare what was and what will be. Can I warn you most sternly against that? It cannot go well. It will either undermine what was and sour the flavour of that or destroy what could be. We are thankful to God for what was and we're thankful for what will be. And let me warn you most sternly, whilst I still speak with the authority of pastor of the church, to avoid comparison and grumbling and groaning thinking about what was. Because comparison will kill what God wants to do. And so Philippians 3, 13 to 14 Um, The Apostle Paul gives us words to wrap around what we need to do in this space. Let me read from verse 12, actually, of Philippians chapter 3. He says, Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind And straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal 
to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so for the church, I have to admit it, me, it's been times when we think about COVID to not focus on what was pre-COVID and who was pre-COVID. And of course we have a, a pastoral need in that space if people are kind of drifted away from the church of course we have a pastoral need to connect with them and and we've, that's definitely been done to the best of our abilities and sometimes the best of our abilities isn't great but we've tried so i'm not talking about that pastoral responsibility that we all have as a church but but what we need to do is focus on what we have in our hands now to focus on who god has placed with us in this season to not look back and dwell on the past and the same will be true in the transition, the change that's coming for the church. We need to focus on what we have now and not dwell on what we used to have. I believe there is a great future ahead for this church. I absolutely believe it. Um, now, don't let this stop you from coming to the church meeting because um, I was going to share this in the church meeting as my pastor's report, and I still will. But some of the sense for me is, is you know, taking another, you know, couple, couple of big stories in the Old Testament. Noah, uh, Moses is another big one. Um, and so part of the feeling for me is like uh, the church is like Moses in a basket and I'm just putting, them, putting you out onto the Nile. Uh, and, and so I'm putting out something that I've loved and I've sought to care for. For about eight years. Damn it, she'll save it for later. Out onto the Nile. And so there is some scariness in that for me. I'm sure if Moses had any idea what was going on in the basket, he would have been a little bit like, what is going on here? There's some fear in that for me. But just as Moses was in God's hands, I, I trust that the church is in God's hands. And just as that is actually what positioned Moses to float down the stream into his destiny, I wholeheartedly believe that the church is, as we kind of put you out onto the water, uh, positioned to, to float towards your destiny. And I'm, in my humanness, that scares me a little bit. But in my faith, I'm really, really excited about what is to come for Yas Community Baptist Church. I really believe, and that's something God put on my heart this morning and I edited my pastor's report. I didn't think about putting in the sermon, but I think God's impressed that upon me now. Um, that just as Moses, in that kind of scary moment of uncertainty, was actually floating right into the place he exactly needed to be, that Yas Community Baptist Church, in this moment of uncertainty, is floating exactly towards where they need to be for God's purpose and plan for them. And I hope, like, you know, the story of Moses is that his mother's still got to be part of his life, um, that, that part of that becomes true for us as well. And so as we step into and embrace a new day, we need to step into it and act in faith. We, we need to um, rediscover and be renewed and hear God's voice in our purpose. We need to focus on what we have now, not on what we have left behind. And finally, we need to not forget to worship. Don't forget to worship. Uh, in Genesis chapter 8, 20 to 22, we're told that then Noah built an altar. So he's, 
came out of the ark, these are the very next words. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean and unclean uh, birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Then the Lord smelt the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And so Noah's first act, the very first thing he did when he stepped on the ark was to worship. Stepped off the ark was to worship. Before he had a chance to survey his surroundings and see if this new day was going to be any good. Before he had a chance to kind of feel comfortable in his new home or build a tent or, or, or do anything about you know, preparing dinner or, or, or sowing a field or, or doing anything in the new day. Before he had a chance to know anything about what it was going to be like, his first act was to worship. He worshipped first. And I read those extra verses uh, beyond that worship because what we see in this story, whether it was God's plan or not, the way it's recorded, um, whether it's God's plan already or not, the way it was recorded is that this worship moved God's heart. And so our worship moves God's heart too. And so I want to encourage the church not just to wait until there's a new pastor, of course, but that we need to not forget to worship. It's, it's one of the strengths uh, that has been such a great strength of this church, both worship teams and the church, that um, you know, we've had some great leaders in that space that has led us in that way over many years. But it's been a great strength of the church, but I want to encourage us as we, as we step into that space between and look for, towards a new season to not forget to worship, to celebrate God to celebrate the new day before you know what the new day is going to look like. That our first act, like Noah, would be to worship. Because worship moves God's heart. Hannah, you can, speaking of worship, we'll do that right now. And so church, a new day will come. I was not the first pastor of Yas Community Baptist Church. I will not be the last. A new day will come. Let me encourage you to step into it and embrace it in faith. Let me encourage you to rediscover purpose in the new day. Let me encourage you to flee from comparison, to flee from looking at what was and focus on what you have now and who you have now. And lastly, but firstly, if you catch my meaning, don't forget to worship. Don't forget to worship. So I'm going to pray as we finish this series. And then we're going to worship. Mm, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the new day. 
We thank you for the new day. Help us to step into it. Pray that you would speak purpose over each of us. Pray that you would help us in our humanity by your spirit to not be as Israel grumbling about how good it was to be a slave. But that our focus would be ahead and what you've placed in our hands in this season for this new day. And Father, just as you've taught us so much about what it really means to worship through COVID and not been able to sing and not been able to gather and that you taught us what it really means to worship in a new way, I pray in this new day, in this new season, that you would stir up an even greater passion for worship in this church. that we would learn what it means to worship in the new day, in the new season, in faith of how you're going to bless us and not just out of thankfulness for our circumstance. Teach us what it means to worship before we know what the day is going to look like. Teach us what it means to worship as our first thing. Thank you for the new day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.